It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. I mean, I wouldn't try to argue with that guy. If he called you shit, your name would be shit. So you just go by whatever that time is called. Next time you're on, it's about a 30-minute drive. We got to get you in studio because okay. something tells me that would be completely electric. Yeah. He's back. Don't have no single dizzy. That'd be terrible. That's right. Oh, you gotta be cold. My dream is to, to get back to the NFL. You know, uh, I played uh, with the Los Angeles Rams in 2019. No, 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 stop it, Nuggets. No, 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 don't go too far. Hold on, he ain't skipping this. Where the hell McNuggets come from? Now that's an that intro. That is an intro. <laughs> if you missed his first appearance on the Ultimate <sighs> Cleveland Sports Show, fear not, because Boogie is back, this time in the building. Thank you guys for having me. Boogie Roberts. I made y'all a promise. Told y'all I was going to show up. You've got notes and everything. I'm prepared. Let's go. You're going to be in for the whole two-hour show. Are you a huge sports fan? Absolutely. Baseball, football, basketball. What's your best favorite sport? Football, basketball, baseball. Nice. So we'll go down. So we're going to have them for two hours, and I think this is going to be a regular deal. I I told him last week when he was in, I think everybody agrees, he's like Warren Sapp. He's like... I don't want to say mini Warren Sapp because there's nothing mini about you, but you're like <laughs> Warren Jr. Yeah. In the sense of when it comes to personality, yeah, we kind of the same. And we yeah. like that. Can we yep. get a sap off between G and, and Boogie? He's going to beat me. He already know the voice. I'm not going to set me up. He already got the voice down. Pick somebody. It's more he takes off the glasses, yep. puts in the dip, yep. and widens the eyes. You see it's, how they did this already? They already got the brothers fighting against each other. That's right. Already. Pit them against each other. <laughs> you're a crip, you're a blood. Yeah. No. They already took I just made them. I just... <laughs> they said you was running a little late. I was going to take your job. I'm like, no, that's my guy. Why are they trying to give up your seat already, man? Hey, man, listen, I'm just trying to get this. Uh, this is affirmative action seat. How I got this job. I said, how many black people you got upset? I said, I'm your first one. Let's go. <laughs> well, Boogie, we're glad you're here. Thank you, guys. Uh, how'd the game go over the weekend? <laughs> how many <laughs> topics we got? <laughs> Next time. Uh, man, uh, we came up short again. Are you uh, still in recovery mode? Like, how long does it take for your body to sort of bounce back? Uh, probably about two days. So tomorrow I'll be good. Like, um, 
my hand and stuff was hurting a little yesterday, but it's feeling a little better. But then you came and shook my hand with that firm grip. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. So bro. I might be out a couple more days. I'm gonna blame Jay. So go get treated. If, if the trainer, no, if the trainer asks why you're out two days, I blame Jay. So yeah, it's my fault. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take the hit on that. Yeah. Busy, busy show. Um, we're gonna get Boogie's thoughts on everything that's busy for us in the sports world. Cavs, they're uh, you know they're at the end of the plank. There's no space left. Um, they've been in this hole before, but that was seven years ago and LeBron was on the roster. Right. Uh, so can they dig out of this 3-1 hole? By the way, the same 3-1 hole that the Bucks find themselves in hmm. against the Miami Heat. We'll talk Cavs. We'll talk NBA playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, it's official. I was surprised after it took this long that the deal happened before the draft. Everybody thought that every, it would happen when the draft was over, yeah. but it's a done deal. We'll talk about that. Does this legitimately make the Jets a playoff contender? Because I think everybody's inclination is to automatically put the Jets in the playoffs now that Aaron Rodgers is there. They're an up-and-coming team, good talent both sides of the ball. We'll talk about that. How, In fact, we've got a fun hypothesis, or excuse me, hypothetic. Jets or Browns, which one has a better chance of reaching a Super Bowl? Mm. And if your answer is no, that's fine. Neither. <laughs> Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah did, did the Chiefs get moved to the NFC? <laughs> I don't think so. So we'll talk about that. Also, Manny Ramirez, uh, later this summer, the Guardians announced yesterday they're going to induct him into the Team Hall of Fame. I think that's appropriate, but uh, one of the questions that was really bouncing around yesterday in sports circles, should the Guardians retire his number 24? We'll get into that. We'll have that debate. I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on that. You can share them with us. I'm sure we'll be reading some of those throughout the show. Meantime, 3-1 hole, guys. Whoa. Whoa. You take off one day and you forget oh, about Bulls bet. Bulls bet. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bad job out of you, sir. Yeah. Uh, first of all, what's his record? Uh, Bull went 1-1 <laughs> one one yesterday. He is now 13-7 uh, and seven on baseball bets. So wow. He is That's almost, pretty impressive. Almost two up, and today he's going back to the baseball well with his Bet Rivers bet of the day. Hey, Ohio, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for every single game. Now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportsbook because if you use deposit code SPORTS, you receive a second chance bet up to $500. You can get in on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey to help you win big. Check them out at BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Bull won on the Braves' run line yesterday. He is going back to the well, taking the Braves, giving a run and a half against Miami. They won by 11 yesterday. He is hoping to do the same today. And one thing Jay forgot to tease up here, we got a brand-new game segment later in the show. Oh, yeah, I think. Okay. Do we want to explain that now no, or are we going to hold no, it? <laughs> no, we're going to hold it till but about But Boogie 12, is the 35. centerpiece of this game, Boogie right? is the centerpiece. This was Bro, designed this is, this is specifically this is for make you, you Boogie. Gotcha. This was designed specifically for you, I so uh, I would encourage everybody to stick around for that. <laughs> you I will. Later, you'll have to – the whiteboard in front of you, that's for the game. Oh, God. And by the way, uh, <laughs> McNuggets is the king of games. He comes <laughs> up with some great games. And I suck at all of them, so This one's worry. really good. This one's really, really good. Really good. Um, and we'll hold it. And just You have to stick around for it to find out because I guarantee you, you're going to laugh. And Go one and last, it. last thing. G. Bush and Jay were not here yesterday. Yes. You guys were at the Pro Hall of Fame luncheon. The full video of G's speech is on our YouTube page. Check it out. But, G, you want to give us a real quick, you know, one-minute teaser of kind of how it went yesterday? Yeah. Hey, it congratulations. Was, it, was, it was super dope. Jay came on, um, down in Canton and uh, introduced me. Um, they really see Jay is really a modest guy. They started getting through his bio. I'm like, dang, you did all that. <laughs> we got all these awards. I'm like, dang, it's crazy. So Jay came down, showed love, 
um, got the opportunity to talk in, in front of the Hall of Fame luncheon club, and it was an honor because every single Hall of Fame inductee who's ever been inducted to the Hall of Fame, uh, if they're still living, has spoken at that luncheon. So it's it's an honor to be able to just speak, um, you know, you know, speak when we got so many great people uh, who've done so much. So it was it was dope and it was super cool because I grew up in Canton. So you know, I drove by that place all the time. You know, you know, Hall of Fame is something really big, really, really big in, in Canton. So I, I went up there. It's it's up on the internet right now. You can check it out on UCSS. But um, thanks for the luncheon club for having me, uh, Jay for introducing me, and it was a great opportunity to be ambassador for the show. Um, and kind of spread exactly what UCS is all about and, and get people more involved with it. So I, I encourage everybody to check out the speech too. It was, I love the way you formatted the speech. He basically gave five examples of people who gave something to him that wasn't of monetary value and how all of them had more value in what they offered you than actual money. Um, and it's just kind of G. Bush's story in general. You know, for those of you that know him and know and followed his career, uh, he was plotting through. He hit roadblocks. He hit, had plenty of times where he thought this just isn't going to happen. He went into the corporate world. But along the way, there were people close to him that loved him, that stood up and, and gave him something that told him not to leave the path that he was on. So I think it's inspirational. I think everybody can take a lot from it. I think the crowd, it was packed luncheon, a couple hundred people there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Super everybody strong. that was there really enjoyed it too. Yeah. So check it out. Uh, it's up on uh, on our YouTube page. Uh, are, is that all the business? Are we all caught up? That is all business. It okay. is time to talk Cavaliers. Yeah, guys. I, wow. wow, wow, wow. Boogie, uh, do you have an <laughs> NBA team? Of course, Lakers. We, you're a Lakers fan. But this is wow. a Cleveland show, so I'm not going to speak anything. Like no, that's all good, bro. You keep that's, trying to listen, set me up, Jay. I want to make, make it home, Jay. Back to Canton, so we're not talking about hey, Lakers right now, Jay. The Lakers, by the way, um, don't tug on Superman's cape. Yeah. Don't, he, don't do it. You poked the bear. The bear just ate you. Yeah, the, the, the bear ate a grizzly. Yeah. I, it's, it's really – I don't want to get too far down this road, but – Anybody spitting on LeBron's grave, anybody trying to say he's not one of the elite players in the league. I've seen guys list their current top 10 and LeBron's not in it. And I feel like the only reason they made that list was so they could get clicks because LeBron wasn't in it. Right. This dude is still, I mean, he took the game over. He's the best player in the series. I, I absolutely concur yeah. with that. Uh, his drive to the bucket to, to tie the game was, was incredible. Enough on the Lakers. This is a Cavs show. Um, I, know, I know already. <laughs> man, Jace, we, we have to start with you. Um, I don't know. Was I the only one that picked the Knicks in the series, or did anybody yes. else? Just okay. Uh, but I didn't see it being this lopsided. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. What, is this fixable and who's to blame? It's always fixable uh, whether or not they're going to like it, this feels bleaker than any time before when they were in a three one hole because they, they don't have the guy like Donovan's a wonderful player, but he's not what they had here before. What happened That's to just, him someday? You know, I wanted to go back and watch the game again and I haven't. Um, it felt to me like 
That I, I thought all series long, the Knicks were going to do everything they could to get the ball out of Donovan's hands. Right. And Sunday felt like the first time where they actually did that, where they were sending three and four guys at him on multiple occasions. Get the ball out of his hands and make someone else beat you. And he didn't play well. He hasn't had a good series. No. Even when they're sending multiple guys at you, the great players figure out how to get it done, whether it's scoring, uh, facilitating. Now he hasn't had a whole lot of help around him. And, and really, that's what it comes down to for me is, like, everybody who wants to, to kill JB, like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I don't I haven't agreed with all of his decisions. I don't like the fact they started Levert. I thought Okoro should have come out of the starting lineup, but I would have started Danny only because he's a veteran who isn't going to get lost in the moment, who's going to take the shots that he should take and make the right play with the and ball. And you can still get Levert off the bench. And you then. can get Levert because, they're, as we said last week, they're on a budget with their shooting. That's the biggest problem with this team. I've said it all series. I'll continue to say it. Shooting, 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 shooting. That's not a JB issue. That's a personnel issue. Like he, when you look at what he's playing with, Jetty Osmond should be a ninth guy in a rotation on a team playoff team trying to win a championship. He's your, he should be your ninth best player. Isaac Okoro should be your eighth, ninth best player. Danny Green should be your 11th best player. And you're counting on these guys for heavy minutes because there's nobody else. They have no bigs they can play. No playable bigs. That's a problem. And like, in the three losses against the Knicks, they've only given up, I think, at most 102 points. The defense is not the issue. And, and no, I don't understand why JB put Garland on Brunson. Uh, and I, I, that was, I disagree with that decision. But defense isn't what's costing the Cavs the games. They're shooting 26% from three in the and three losses. And, and we've, been, we've talked about that all year. That's what. Like, it's a three-point shooting lead. Yes. And they've got nobody to fill that <laughs> hole. And it is glaring right now in the playoffs. And that's why, like, they have nobody at the three. They have nobody that can play at the three that can spread the floor, that can create driving lanes. I, was, I said yesterday I was driving in, I was talking to a personnel guy who said they should bring Jared off the bench, start Evan. Not because of the way Jared is necessarily playing the series. He hasn't had a good series. But because you need to space the floor. You need to create lanes for Darius and for Donovan. You know, and I'll go back to the 2016 championship team. I know that those guys aren't here anymore, but it was the style that they played. Drive and kick, drive and kick. Get to the middle of the defense, kick to the shooters. That's the way to play in the NBA, but they can't play that way because they don't have the shooters. They don't have, they're not deep, they have no bigs, and they have very, very little shooting. Yeah. Ian, Jay, I tell you what, I, I, I don't like to get to this, and I know if the fans, every time you get a team that's very likable, um, especially when you've got guys that are good guys, they play well. They try to play the right way. It's very difficult when you criticize the way the roster is built. Um, but, you know, Jason is right. When he was talking about that executive, I tweeted and it got a lot of traction. I, I don't know if Jared Allen is a long-term fix for this team because you got to think about it like this. The reason why everybody wants Evan Mobley to take that next step is so that Jared Allen could be the only one down there and he's not clogging up the lane. He could just do the things he does, the spacing is much better, right. and you have driving lanes. But you can't force that. Right now, if you look at it, Evan Mobley is just a better version of Jared Allen. That's all he is. Like, he's, he's more athletic. He's more defensively inclined. He can guard more positions. Are, is it... Is your contention that they're too similar in styles and they just need someone else? No, no I'm, I'm, my contention is that roster and the way they are playing Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and either Isaac Okoro as the three is not tenable. Like, that, they look like they're built like a 1987 roster, like two bigs like Rick Mahorn and Lambert down low. You can't do that anymore. No. And so what you see is 
Jared Allen is underneath the basket and Evan Mobley is <clears> underneath <throat> the basket. And on top of it, the teams New York is just like, okay, well, how's about we just double him everywhere? Anytime Garland gets it, we double it. Anytime uh, Mitchell gets it, we're, we're blitzing him. And the rest of the guys can't do anything. They can't step up and beat him. I get it's one thing if one of those two bigs can shoot like Kevin Durant. Right. But but they and, and that's they the can't. Next, that's the next step that Mobley has to take. That's his next progression is becoming more of a reliable three-point shooter. It it's just not but there it, yet. I'm not, I've seen absolutely no progression. Yeah, what if, he, what if it doesn't it happen? May, it may never be. It may never be. So what's the if it doesn't happen, what's the answer? Well, if it doesn't happen, then I then so I don't want to give up on Jared Allen. Like one playoff series, I know a lot of people want to run Jared Allen out of town. A lot of people are saying now they're changing the ceiling on Evan Mobley. I'm not ready to do any of that based on one playoff series. Mobley's 21 years old. This is his second year. We have no idea what he can become. I think he could be the number one on a championship team. I 100% believe that, that that's his ceiling, and I'm not going to cap it or lower it based on one bad playoff series. Jared Allen has been a tentpole to what they do defensively all year long, and he's getting pushed around by Mitchell Robinson. He has not had a good series. Big time. Yeah, but again, I'm not going to scrap, scrap it and throw it away because of a few bad games, a couple bad games in, in one playoff series. And I don't think Jared Allen's going anywhere. Like, Cavs aren't moving him because Kobe wants guys who want to be here. And Jared Allen signed a $100 million extension in Cleveland after he was traded here. Donovan didn't sign that extension in Cleveland. He signed that in Utah and was traded here. Jared Allen signed that extension after he was here. And Kobe's really big on, I want guys who want to be here. And if you don't want to be here, we'll get you out of here. So is that, so is that, I don't think you can win a championship given loyalty test. Like, yeah, you want to be here, but if you're not, if I'm, you're not, I'm just saying it's too early to make rash Jay, decisions. I, I, this is why I felt that the way last season ended was 100%. so punitive. Yeah, it wasn't just because they didn't have a chance to make a playoff run. I think it stunted this franchise's growth by a full year because what, they're getting hit in the mouth in these playoffs and they're finding out, oh, there is another level. There is another gear and they're not ready for it. Had they, if they were just able to get into the playoffs last year and experience last year what they're experiencing this year, this series might be going a different way. And with the Bucks on the verge of elimination at the one slot, yeah. can you imagine the only thing that would stand between the Cavs and an Eastern Conference trip to the finals would be the Miami Heat? Yeah, that's crazy. And they yeah. could take them. That's crazy. Them. I feel they could too. Yeah, they could take them. I feel like um, you brought up last year, but I feel like that's what they thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be when they traded for him this year to get them over that hump so they didn't have to go through those, exactly. gro those growing pains. And it's a star-driven league, and he's not having the best series. So I feel like it's a rippling effect for the whole team and things like that. So I feel like they're struggling, but we need to see that spider Donovan Mitchell, that Utah Donovan Mitchell, and we just haven't seen that peak performance. You know, playoff time, you expect it from Jimmy Butler. You've seen what he did. Ugh. But where's that Donovan Mitchell performance that we usually get once a year or twice a year in the playoffs, like, wow, that dude's special. So he I, put Utah on his back. On his back. And it, it with looks less, like with, the – less the, help. And he has a better roster to me, the starting five-wise. I agree. Here in Cleveland. I mean, so this he, team is better. Yeah. So, and and they're going to get bounced, likely, by a Knicks team that is just – I think they're very well coached. We talked about that coming into this series. I think Tibbs has hit all the right buttons. He has. And with the exception of the game two blowout, they have dominated this yeah. series completely. And – Four rebounds. Yeah, like, the rebounding I, I, was I, I, I keep going back to it because I didn't think 
I know New York uh, is rugged. And I know what they do, but it ain't even about just the, just the shooting. I mean, we look completely outclassed when it comes to hustle points, loose balls, 50-50 balls, the emotion. I mean, Jared Allen looks like somebody <laughs> ran his dog over. Like, he, his, it was a family of dogs that got ran over. They were all in the court, and they got ran over. And not only, I looked it up. He had four rebounds. Do you know Brunson had more rebounds than him? Hartenstein had more rebounds than him. Uh, 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 Mitchell uh, Robinson had more rebounds. Hart had more rebounds. And Obi Toppin, if you were an energy guy, and that's what you bring to the table, you cannot be looking like, you saw a ghost the whole series. He just has. I'm confused. So what about JB's future? Because we had talked about some of the decisions that he had made in close and late games in the regular season. Um, misuse of timeouts. Um, just just some, some signs that were there. And now, obviously, in the playoffs, everything gets magnified. If, if this is it for them and they lose game five and they lose 4-1, is he back next year? I I don't think – listen, emotion always comes into it, right, with these types of things. First of all, I don't think there's a difference if they lose in five or six. I don't, I don't think that matters in terms of what we're talking about here with his future. I don't know that one game really decides anything. And I also know that this is not the same organization that it was four and five years ago in the way that – They had a quick trigger. Yeah, the way that Dan would make emotional reactionary decisions to things. That doesn't happen anymore. They don't fire anybody anymore. Like, you should drive over to their practice facility now – they got cars going all the way to the street because they don't fire anyone. They just keep adding to the organization and nobody, nobody, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like I've screamed for years. There's zero stability in that organization, zero. And now they're trying to get some traction here with Kobe under a long-term extension, JB under a long-term extension. So they are trying to build it the right way. I don't think he goes. I don't think you never know when emotion comes into this and human nature plays into it. But I think he's back. But I will say, like, a lot of pressure on next year, and a lot of people are under the gun next year. Next year is a very big year in terms of Donovan Mitchell's future and in terms of how long they can hold on to him before they have to start making some difficult choices. Next year is huge, for the, regardless of how this ends. Next year is huge for this team. And, and so it, and it looks like from the way looking in, I look at the, the climate of things. So you don't have the draft capital. Um, you, I don't know. Think you got uh, cap flexibility like that? Um, you don't have the the uh, I, I would say the cachet to just bring in all kind of great free agents. Like they're just gonna come and show up in Cleveland. So my thing is right now we're on the precipice of getting gentlemen gentlemen sweep four one, and I do believe that counts because that means that you could have you could have put up a last stand at home and you laid down at home, especially if they could be bad at home. That looks horrible. But you're set up to run it back with the whole squad. You so you're gonna run it back with JB and keep him there. You're gonna run it back with the two bigs and hope Evan only gets better. You're gonna still bring back Jetty and Dean and hope Dean Wade gets some sort of game over the summer. I, I just I, I don't know if it's tenable for you to lose to the Knicks four games to one in the playoffs and then run it back with, with a roster that I don't think you can make it uh, compete at the highest level. Yeah. Um. My first time on a talk show, I'm not going to be up here calling for a coach's job. That, that will not be on my resume, especially out here in Cleveland where I have to lay my head. So You're a wise man. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say um, he deserves one more year. He I'll does. say um, there were injuries 
the backcourt didn't play together as much, and um, they need to uh, fix the spacing and fix the bench, but that's a personnel problem. That's not a coach problem. You let the coach go and bring in a new coach, you still have the same roster. Why wouldn't the same problem still be here? No, that's a very good point. You, you get what that's, I'm saying? So maybe The bench is – you look around, and it's funny because the Browns had issues at wide receiver and defensive line yeah. when they broke camp last year. Mm-hmm. And most fans just glossed right over that. Yeah. Say, oh, we got – you know – we're going to be okay. We've got this. We've got that. And then you turn on the game and you realize, oh, my God. It's it's worse than we thought. When we looked at the depth of this roster, we loved the big four. We loved that core four. But you realize in the playoffs where rotations are so critical, that bench is anemic. It is ugly. And by the way, not that Kevin Love has played a huge role in the Heats going up 3-1. But he's been a factor. He's hit some big threes for Miami. He's a rotational guy. And I was as guilty as anyone. I was sitting here screaming, this guy can give you nothing in the playoffs. But I think if they had a mulligan on the Kevin Love thing, I think they would use it because it gives him a a veteran who has been there, a voice in that locker room that can say, guys, 3-1 isn't the end of the world. I know that from experience. He he would bring them – a quality player that can do certain things off the bench. And who shoots threes on this team? We've been asking that question Nobody. all season. So I was on the radio this morning talking Kevin. And Mikey, can you give me three minutes here? Can we do this? Can we? Sure. I know it wasn't part, but let's yep. let's have the Kevin Love conversation. Sure. Because I do think it's important to have because a lot of people are screaming exactly what you're screaming. They just let him go for nothing. He could help them. The Kevin Love conversation is so complicated because – human motion again is involved in this and it's not like fantasy basketball where you can just bench a guy and then bring him in put him back into your lineup put him on your roster when you need him again there are feelings involved there are feelings involved and kevin felt like he was not communicated with properly from the organization in terms of you know who he blames for that the coaching staff yeah now this is i'm giving you kevin's side of it because it hasn't really been discussed and i mentioned it briefly at the time you've talked to kevin about this i've talked to the Shams and I broke the story. Right. And we have spoken to people in his circle okay. about this. Yeah. I have not talked directly to Kevin. Right. Um, but you're getting informed information. From here. from his side. Right. And the Cavs could give you a completely different version. He felt like he wasn't communicated with properly, and he, want, he wanted to play. Like, he still thinks he can play in this league. He wants another contract. In order to get another contract, he's got to play. So he wanted to get on the floor, and he wanted to get minutes. The Cavs very clearly felt like he could not help them any longer. Okay, why couldn't they tell him that? Because as a fan and as as a guy who's appreciated what he's brought to this organization and to watch his ebbs and flows, highs and lows, ins and outs throughout his tenure in Cleveland, he freaking deserved that. Well, and maybe they did. He deserved a conversation. And and, and I wasn't in the room. And you know what? He just became persona non grata. And even the fans were like, what's going on here? Yeah. And I wasn't in the room. I don't know. Maybe they did, or maybe they feel like they did. And he feel, you know, communication. How many times in a relationship do you feel like you've communicated things, and the other person says, "No, you didn't." Right. So it's it's Every impossible. Right, right. So don't you get in too much trouble now? I don't know what's waiting for you at home. Don't you get into hey, all this stuff? Hey, he's got a long, sorted history. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you catch you, on. Yeah, yeah I'll show up tomorrow. I'm gonna know it's because of that clip right I, there. I, yeah, I've been taking L's for a while. Uh-uh. So that's just that's where he's coming from. That's how he felt about it. <laughs> right. And from the Cavs' perspective, like we've seen angry Kevin before we when he was playing and they weren't winning and things weren't going well we've seen his outbursts oh, on the yeah. court and the the fear with the organization was 
listen, we've seen this before when he was playing. What's it going to be like if he's not playing? Is it going to be a detriment to the locker room? And they made the decision. It's better to give him what he wants. He's meant so much to the organization. Send him on his way. Give him the opportunity he wants because we don't think he can help us any longer. Now, that may have been the miscalculation. But again, he wasn't playing well. Frankly, he didn't play well in Miami. He had a couple games here and there, but he didn't shoot the ball like we remember Kevin Love as a shooter. So that's why this is such a complicated conversation. It's he had not, a great game in one of the play-in games. He did, yeah. He had one game where I think he had 18 points. He did. Like the day after and he had a Cavs, bunch of threes. It was the day after the Cavs lost, I think. Yes, which even drove home the point. Yes. What, what are you doing? So that's And they felt like Dean Wade was ready to step into a role where he could give you 18, 20 minutes a night, make a few threes, grab a few rebounds. He was going to be that stretch four. And when Kevin left, Dean completely fell apart. So His was it just a personnel miscalculation? It very well could be. Yeah, the Dean wasn't ready for that role. And that's why you wind up in this. So it's I, I get why fans say, I can't believe they let Kevin go for nothing. How could they do that? But it's so much more complicated than that. There's yeah. so much. And we have the benefit of the recent results. Absolutely. You know, like uh, at the time... He was still saying, my thumb isn't right. He was coming off the injury. And my eyes, all we, we discussed this on the panel multiple times. I felt like once the play ratchets up in the playoffs, what is this guy going to give you? You know what I respect the most? Well, I, I, you know what I respect about LeBron? He did the same thing this year out in, out in L.A. He said, look, he puts maximum pressure on you. See, teams that usually would punt, they're good at punting. Mm-hmm. You, you ever be like, man, you playing football, and you're like, man, look, it's fourth and one, you playing defense, you're like, I'm tired as hell. Thank goodness they punting. Yeah. Because if they was going to run this, I was going to get blocked up front. Teams be punting. LeBron puts maximum pressure on you where there's no such thing as a punt. Every year, if it don't work, you better get back on the table and reshuffle. Now, that's the problem that we had. Well, they we, came back from the dead. It just and they went and got they went and got uh, D'Angelo Russell. They went and made moves at the deal at the trade deadline. Now look what they're doing for for the Cavaliers. You 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 have to look at this series and say, okay, well, we got to rethink some things. If we're not gonna beat the Knicks, that means we was the fifth best team, right? Mm-hmm. But we but Miami all of a sudden looks like they're better than you. So now you got this core in this roster, and you felt really good about going into the playoffs. But what the playoffs do? The playoffs show you who you really are. The regular season stuff, that's cool. When the playoffs hit, you see the levels to it. So now, as a Cavaliers fan, I'm questioning and I'm saying, okay, well, if now all of a sudden we don't even look like the four seed and we down at maybe six, seven, does that mean that this is tenable? Can you go and can, is this makeup something that you could actually win with against Eastern Conference teams at the top. Is that something you can do? I don't know anymore. I believe I believe so. I feel like, but you have to address that in free agency because this series is probably over. They're going to go have to find somebody on the bench that can get them some more three-point shooting because they're shooting terribly. You have the two bigs that's inside clog in the middle. That's why I believe Kevin Love still should have been on the team. Even if he didn't give you much, he gave you spacing. Yep. That would allow Donovan Mitchell and Garland to drive to the basket. So I feel like them letting him go and getting nothing in return was a mishap on personnel-wise. So you can't really blame the coach for, for things like that. So I'm hoping they can address that I wonder, in the, in, in the offseason. Now, I wonder what the machinations are inside the organization. Was it JB going to Kobe saying, I'm not going to use him. Let's move yeah. on. 
you know, was it was it Kobe making that assessment? Do you know Do you know how things internally go there? I know Kevin had hard feelings toward the organization by the end of the by the end of the run, and and he was really tight with JB at one time. But Loved I think JB. that's the second piece in the puzzle. The first piece was the Cavs making the decision. He's useless. And I don't know if I don't know who made that. Decision. I don't know if Joe, if JB declared that or if Kobe declared that, okay. or maybe it was mutual. Right I, right. I don't know, but ultimately the organization decided he couldn't help them anymore. He was not. He was not going to be a piece going. It's amazing forward. how the fortunes of teams can change in the span of just yeah. a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't long ago the Cavs were sitting in the three, in the East, and the Lakers were thirteenth mm-hmm. in the West. Thirteenth. Look, look at us now. And look at the <laughs> Lakers now. And you you were big on the trade deadline at the deals. You said watch I out. They, they fixed a lot of their issues. And you said right here on the show. Watch out for this Lakers team. Yeah, they're going to be. They're going to have a, a voice in what happens out west. And, and, and really quickly, I just want to add because McNuggets, you know, you 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 play ball a little bit. I, I think it's a major problem, like that the Cavs, that, that the Cavs can't just come down and dump the ball into a big man and let him work. Like, when is the last time? Well, it's you not s- 1987 anymore. Uh, no, well, it's not. Well, l- listen, like if, if you ask in the bigs. To, to go out there and rim run and do all this other stuff and they're getting hammered on the glass at some point. Why don't you make Hardenstein? Why don't you make Robinson guard you? You can get a couple of up and unders. You can get something where they may foul yeah. you instead of letting them be free running around blocking shots and doing all the energy. I, stuff. I'll tell you why. Have we seen at any point this season Jared Allen have a traditional back to the basket post up? Have we seen like I, I we haven't seen Evan Mobley do it either. We've seen him have a little bit of a jump hook from the high post, but I don't think that's in either of their games yet. Allen's way more developed than Mobley is. Mobley can still kind of generate that kind of offense as he develops, gets stronger. But Mobley's 147 pounds. He's not back. <laughs> and Mitchell Robinson's now. massive. Like Mitchell Robinson is a physical specimen. He's seven feet tall. He's 240, and he's 26. He's in his physical prime. And I know the lights going on and off. So if you guys got dark, uh, we yeah, it's off. We just sent an email to the whole show. Yeah, yeah, just yes. yeah. That's that's uh, we'll get that addressed. That's, right. that, that's the, the Cavs playoff hopes right there. <laughs> lights just went out. It Flickering. just fizzled and died. That's where we feel. That's where I mean. Yeah. Can anybody give me a reason to have optimism moving forward? Donovan Mitchell. That's the only thing you can bank on at this point. Hopefully, yeah. That's about all we have. He has those crazy one of those crazy playoff playoff games, and now get them to their second win, and then just hope they have some fight left. He's gonna need three of those, really. Right. Well, that's just what is what it is. I see Jimmy. That game Jimmy Butler showed me. My God. That's. Like he plays on. What he finish with? 56. He woke me up out of my sleep last. I was sleeping. I heard the Miami crowd going crazy. I said, "Hold on, let me sit up and actually watch this game." It was nuts. Gee, we talked about the crazy. Jimmy buckets. There are certain moments where big time players step up and have these like transcendent games. And game four seemed like an opportunity for Mitchell to do that. Going against the team that didn't trade for at the MSG, where he's from. He's from New York City, and he's from New York. And this was the chance for him to come in and, and just say, pretty much throw a middle finger up and say, F you guys, Cleveland gave up more. You could have had me. You didn't want me. I'm going to make you, you know, make you feel wrong and prove you wrong for that decision. Yeah, he did anything And that is that. why it was so disappointing to me that he came up so short. He can still well, get it. He, he still I, got another chance. He, if they, oh, it's not over. If they I'm just get saying, this, game he could still go to six. Right. He could still go to six and do that. It was funny. In, uh, in the year of the championship in 2016, I was talk- when they went down 3-1, 
and how deflated that was at home. They lose game four at home. Yeah, that was and it was just despondent. Like this is the freaking Warriors, the seventy three and nine Warriors, and you're down three one. It's and you're going to beat them three times right. in a row. Right, which they hadn't lost three straight in like four years. They lost nine the whole season. Yeah, and I remember talking to Kevin Love at his locker, and I said, you know what? I'll tell you what. Like, maybe this is insane. If you can get five, just get five out there. If you can find a way, claw scrape. Get game five. You ain't losing six at home. No. And Kevin said, no chance. And I said, in game seven, I'll take my chances with that mother bleeper yes. over anybody <laughs> and, else on the and floor. In the, and in that game five, I thought game five was the most impressive because it was just basically Kyrie and LeBron, my turn, your turn, at the highest level 40, I've ever seen. And 40 guys watching. Yeah. 40 apiece. Yeah. And, and, just, and I've said throughout this series, like, from the, it, it, so like listen Donovan's not LeBron and the and the court has flipped you know this is now your home for 5 and 7 6 is out there but to your point it's going to take Darius and Donovan there it is carrying this thing they have they have been the engine that drives this franchise all year long so if they're going to do this if they're going to come back from this it's on those two guys you can talk about the rebounding all you want and you're 100% right everything you said earlier is dead on. They're getting pushed around on the boards. Jared Allen, four rebounds, inexcusable. They're getting killed on the offensive glass, and they're still giving up 99, 101, and 102 that's in the crazy. three losses. And that's sub 100 it. That's is it. their that's their line. When they hold teams to under 100, they win. So in three in three losses, they've given up 99, 101, and 102 points, despite everything that's gone wrong on the glass, all the offensive rebounds they're giving up. That's not the issue. Like the defensive side is not why they're in this 3-1 hole. They need Donovan and Darius to drag them across the finish line like they have all year long. It's and a metal test. If, they, if Darius plays like he played in the third quarter and like he played in game two, they got a chance. If Donovan plays like he did in game one, I think he had a pretty decent game one, if memory he serves. Did. He did game one. He did. Yeah. If he played like – that's how they get back in this thing. <laughs> yeah. But – I don't yeah. know that they can do anything it. short of that. Like if both of those things don't happen, sure. there's zero chance. Yeah, there's, there's the there's zero chance. Go ahead, McNuggets. I got a poll question and I want you guys to answer that. Then we will move on to our uh, next topic here. But whenever we ask the YouTube chat a question, it's brought to us by our good friends at PCC Air Foils. If you're looking for a <laughs> job with career advancement and great <laughs> benefits, PCC Air Foils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Air Foils at Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, get full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus you can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We asked the poll, the always trusted, always ingenious YouTube chat poll, that if the Cavs lose this series, will JB be fired? 55% said no, which is actually different than what we had initially thought the poll would come through. Jason, you said no. Boogie, you said no. G and J, what do you think about well, I think JB's it, future? I think the results are in the framing of your question. You said, will he be fired? I think it's a proper question to ask the fans, should he be fired? I don't think he will because I'm with Jason. I think the last four or five years, the organization is being run completely different. Um, if this was, you know, younger, more cantankerous Dan, he's gone. Uh, but it's not. And I think because of that, he'll get another shot. And I just hope that we're not sitting here next April hmm. saying, we lost another year. Yeah. Oh, we no, lost no. another year. Because oh, oh. if you can, put up his numbers oh. again. Put up JB's career stats, if you would, Steve. Yeah, give me one second. Um, 160. Uh, he's 50 games under 500 for his career in the regular season. And he's 2-7 and seven 
in the postseason. And I know that there are plenty of examples of guys just figuring it out. But guys, that's a pretty good sample size. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. Well, let me ask you a question. If you flip teams, and Tibbs was coaching the Cavs, well, I, <laughs> and Bickerstaff was coaching the Knicks, yeah, who do you pick? I, I said at the who, start, who win this, no who, question, who, Cavs. I, I said at the start, <laughs> no question. The, the Knicks held the coaching edge in this series. So, with Tibbs. so and I'll tell you what, if they that's play, the thing. if they play Miami in the next round. Spolster would have the coaching edge over. Absolutely. I think Spolster is the best coach of the NBA. And so ultimately, here's the, the, <laughs> the, the, the where the rubber meets the road question because you said the clock's ticking. Uh, clock's always ticking in sports. Always. It's, you can hear it. It's deafening. You've got a coach that you're saying wouldn't have an advantage against the Knicks, mm-hmm. wouldn't have an advantage against the Heat. Let's expand it. Would he have an advantage against the Celtics? Yeah. That's a rookie head coach. It is a rookie head coach, so I, but it's still fair to ask it's, because it's, I've seen some pretty impressive things. It's it's a, it's a draw at, at worst, I think, okay. for the Cavs. I'd okay. call that a draw. And and I am no fan of Booneholzer in Milwaukee, uh, by the way. No, I, I know. No That's why I didn't even go to Milwaukee because I don't know that how Booneholzer is held on in Milwaukee. He might. I, I'd be curious to see what happens there. If they lose, he's gone. Because they got. we've talked about it before. The whole reason Jimmy is an owner, Jimmy Haslam's part ownership, is all the contract decisions they have coming up. Yeah. If they get bounced, I'll be really curious to see what happens to Mike Boone? Yeah. Well, it's the Haslam effect. I, <laughs> he, I actually thought that he, last He night. buys into the Bucks. Boom. <laughs> First round bounce. <laughs> I heard he wants to buy the Pittsburgh Ballers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we still got to win, so I don't win. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, um, I just, here's the problem. If you don't have a coach that you believe can win a championship, then what, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you wasting anybody's time? Well, and that's why I said they're going to have the Ime Odoka conversation. Every team in the league is going to have it. Well, he's, he's, he's hired. And that's why yeah. I'm saying yeah. Houston knew that too. And sure, Houston they said we're going to get him before anybody else does. Yep, Houston pounced fast yeah. on that. And you know what? Yeah. It'll be controversial for a minute, but as soon as he starts winning there, it'll be okay. Yep. You guys talked about switching the coaching stats, but you said defense wasn't the problem. We all agree that defense isn't the problem. And Tibbs is a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. And you said if you switch teams, I, I mean, switch coaches, I don't know if you would get different results because it's not the defense. It's still not going to have shooting. Still going to have a bad. Yeah, bench, your point still, earlier. You still got to address still the roster holes. Going to have um, bad spacing. So but, the mentality of the Cavs may change because he's going to install toughness and a defensive mindset. But the offensive problem still will be here, whether you have bigger staff or, or tips. It's like a like a like a racing team almost. Okay, so you've got the car, and you've got the engine and the brakes and the yeah. tires and everything else. And the car would be the team in this case. And you've got Garland and Mitchell and Allen and Mobley. Um, but there are some other very important parts on that car that are woefully mm-hmm. underperforming. But your driver ultimately is going to take you wherever, however far you can go. Yeah. You can have this souped-up, unbelievable car with all the right parts, but if the driver's not the right driver, he could put it into a wall. Uh, and I think the driver in this case, case is the coach. And I, I just I don't know if you put – a perfectly calibrated team into JB's hands if he's going to be able to take them across the finish. I don't know that we we don't know. Like right now, he's driving a car that doesn't have any oil in it. The transmission no. is leaking. Yeah, and and so I don't think it's fair to say we just don't we just don't know. And and that's a tough spot but, but to be how, in. How much do you have to see before we do know? So this will be Wednesday will be his tenth playoff game. If he wins it, his winning percentage will be three hundred. Well. If Darius makes six threes and Donovan makes 
I'm, I'm serious. No, like, I mean, yeah. that's, it, that's, that's he's, crazy. He's going to look like a genius. But, I mean, some of that would be them getting open. Oh, they've had a lot of open looks. They've had a lot of open looks in the series. Jason, I, and they're just missing them. I think I, at this point, I threw it out to McNuggets, and, and we, we got to get to Cavs. But I, w- I, would, I would sit uh, Jared Allen. I start Mobley at the five. I put Danny Green in the lineup and go small with either a Nakora or a Levert, whatever one you want in there. And I go super small. Keep Garland at the point. So at least you got some sort of spacing. You may get killed on the boards, but guess what? You're getting killed on the boards anyway. If you had if you had one more competent <clears throat> shooter, I'd probably agree with that. But the fact is they don't. Like I've been the biggest proponent of Danny Green of anybody in Cleveland, only out of necessity, not because I think he's that great or has anything like he can barely get up and down the floor. Yeah. But it's just it's just where they're at. Go ahead, Mike. All right, we're going to pivot from the Cavs to the Browns, and we're going to tap into Boogie's expertise here. This was a bit of a research project turned question I want to poise to you, and this segment's going to be brought to us by the USFL. They are back in Canton all over the country, including our good friends in Pittsburgh. And by good friends, I mean just Boogie, no one else in Pittsburgh. Boogie, the only <laughs> we like on this show. Check him out at USFL.com. It is phenomenal football action to get to see Future stars like Boogie play before they reach the next level. Uh, guys, did you know the last time a Brown not named Miles Garrett recorded 10 sacks was 2014? The same year a player on the Browns recorded five or more interceptions. And we know the Browns have made quite the upgrade in both the secondary and on the defensive line this year. So my question for you guys today is, what is more likely to happen this season? A Brown not named Miles Garrett records double-digit sacks or someone on the Browns picks off at least five passes. Oh, stop. They're not going to. They still have Denzel Ward on this team, right? Well, I would say that because Denzel Ward, because I know that they've upgraded the line, but they didn't have 10 sacks combined outside of Miles Garrett last year. Yeah, I don't think Oboe or or Tomlinson is going to suddenly. I don't think either one of those guys is a double-digit sack guy. Let's turn to the expert. Are they? I mean, I don't. Um. Oboe might be the closest yeah. to get there, but 10 sacks is tough. That's a 10 lot sacks of sacks, 10 sacks. Man. Like, no matter how you look at it, everybody going into the year, so like, if I can just get double-digit sacks. So that's already everybody's benchmark. Yeah. And 10 sacks is tough. And looking at this, you know, um, Miles Garrett is amazing. So he already puts pressure on those guys. But he takes on, he gets all the, um, all the eyes. So if those guys are going to have more chances to get one-on-ones, I will say Oboe has the best chance to do it, but I'm, I'm not sure because 10 is tough. That's He's a never had 10 before. Right. I don't think nobody yeah. else on his D, D line no. has had 10 before. I don't 10 think before, they have so. either. No, I think you're right. And and five picks. I mean, I, I know that guys used to lead the league and they'd have close to double-digit picks, but mm. not that's not the case anymore. Ain't, ain't nobody doing If you that have anymore. five picks now, you're among league leaders. Yeah, because you're like in the top three or four. Six led the league last year. Be- six led the league. Yeah. Because guys aren't, you know, going for interceptions – is is risky like quarterbacks just take better care of it. you have to be close to the ball you got to be in phase you got to look back for the ball you got to play the ball and technically people who usually do that they either give up a lot of big plays or they get pass interference called on them so now people is just like look we just want you to keep guys in front of you yep we might keep you in off coverage you don't even see bump and run coverage no more because of that thing right so it's hard to get picks it's almost easier for a safety to get picks now than a corner because the safety sees the quarterback. Tip balls could happen, and you could, he may get some picks. But it's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with interceptions. Yeah, I didn't even answer him. 
I, I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna go I with pigs so too, because man. these ten sacks is stupid hard. Twenty guys last year had at least ten sacks, and yeah. four of them were on the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Schwartz is now the D coordinator for the Browns. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. So personnel's a little different. Yeah, he doesn't. No, have I'm that, going picks. Yeah, that D line. I'm going has. neither. But yeah, if you're gonna, make I'm me, with you. You're gonna make me pick. I'll go. I'll I, go I think neither will happen with Denzel Ward on the roster. I'll take. I'll take interceptions. I, 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 and I, that's the exact same reason why I would go with Ward. Uh, man, yeah. ten, 10 is a lot. Interceptions for me as well. Yeah. And, and pass rush and co- we always say pass rush and coverage works together in, in a sense. So if you get more pressure on the quarterback, it makes the quarterback have to speed up. Right. He may throw bad passes, giving the DBs more chances to get interceptions. And if the DBs are back there covering their tails off, that um, makes the quarterback have to hold and pat the ball a couple extra seconds. And that that allows the, that allows the defensive line. They really do work to, hand uh, in Allowing hand. the defensive line to get there. So, so we'll be able to see very early where this defense is going to stand and rank amongst the rest in the NFL. As, as a D lineman, let them know how frustrating it is to work. You you hit one of your best moves. You've been <laughs> setting it up for mm-hmm. two three series, and then all of a sudden you get you 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 about uh, five milliseconds from getting home. And a quarterback gets rid of the ball, and you didn't—you've been working your move. It's just like it's so difficult yeah. to get there, and it has to be one of the most frustrating things in the world as a D lineman. Absolutely, it is so tough to to get sacks. You throwing all these moves, you working on them in the off season. You know, we like to be call ourselves dancing bears. Yeah. You know, we we doing a little <laughs> dance, and we finally beat the offensive lineman, and the ball is gone, and you just like, damn. I wasted that like, move. Damn, you out of breath. You trying to figure out what's going on because you know you can't throw the same move again because right. those guys are pros too. But um, then you go back and watch it on the film and you realize that dang, he was uh oh. <laughs> oh, faulty earpiece. So, you know, it, it tr- touched me. Trust me. Yeah. I, for the first two for the first two months, yeah. I was doing this the whole yeah. time. <laughs> Mike Chuck. Hold on, guys. He hasn't brought out the contraband yet. We're still <laughs> yeah, like like we were saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Uh, it's gotten to the point in the NFL that if you breathe on the quarterback wrong, it's a flag. <laughs> and some of the flags that we've seen thrown, Egregious. you really ask yourself, what was the defensive lineman supposed to do? Turn matrix and hover over the quarterback after he's left his feet? Do you find that there's a difference in the way the leagues call the hits on quarterbacks? Like, is the USFL a little more forgiving? Are they calling it as tight as the NFL? Have you noticed a difference? I'll first I'll start off by saying it's an offensive game now in, in both leagues. You know, people want to see points. That brings in ratings. That brings excitement. So they want to protect their biggest investment, which is quarterbacks. Right. I don't know what they expect the defensive lineman to do. You know, mid-tackle to stop his body weight, turn to the side. Yeah. What about protecting a defensive lineman? Why is it that he won't get hurt trying to protect the quarterback when we're playing? Trying to pull up. Yeah, when we're playing football. And I've seen guys – try to pull up and not hit a quarterback. He breaks the tackle, then throws a long pass and things like that. So um, it's tough as a defensive lineman, but that's the, um, the game we play now, so we have to adjust. Um, in the USFL, it's a little lax because the quarterbacks aren't getting paid what those guys are getting paid. So, so, <laughs> so they're not treated as such um, a commodity. You get one step in the NFL, we probably get like two in the USFL, but the quarterbacks get hit, they still turn around looking to the ref and things like asking for calls. But you can see a little bit of the difference, and I really feel like it's because of the contracts and the money. The quarterbacks in the NFL are the most important position in any sport, but they drive the NFL, so they want to protect their investment, which makes sense. Sure. But show some love to the big guys. We're 300-plus no pounds. How do you expect us to stop our fall and things like that? You it's barely touch match. them. You have bad breath. It's a flag, so we got we to fix <laughs> it. It really I, is. I, I, it's, I don't get it. It's crazy, and I don't, I don't know that the game is better for it. You're right. Everybody wants to see offense, 
and nobody wants to see these franchise quarterbacks go out. They're the ones that drive, for the most part, the ratings and yeah, the yeah. interest in the game. But holy cow, I you mean, some of these flags you look at and say, what are they supposed yeah, to do? Because you don't want to see games decided by the ref throwing a ref in the pass or drives extended because of bogus flags. So then you have another problem. Then your people, the fans are mad at the officials and fans are mad at the league. So uh, I don't know how they're going to fix it. I guess they're just going to stay with how it is, you know, protecting the quarterbacks and just tell right. the defense that they have to figure it out. Uh, one of the things we wanted to ask you about was <laughs> getting pressure on quarterbacks. There's various ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Last year, the Browns seemed to lock it down in a 4-3, mm -hmm. and that was it. We rarely saw exotic blitzes. You didn't see corners coming. You never saw safeties come. Uh, it was just a very vanilla bland. <coughs> this is what we're going to do. We believe that our four can get past your yeah. five to get home. Uh, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it didn't mm -hmm. work. Uh, Jim Schwartz is a guy that will mix it up. We, mm -hmm. we, we'll see. He'll go wide nine. Yeah. And that stretches things out. If you would, take us through the philosophy of some of these different looks and what you think of the wide nine and how maybe getting yeah. pressure is either harder, easier, what it does for the defensive front. In a sense of a wide nine, you have to have a dog out there on the edge, which they do in Miles Garrett. In a sense, that's just giving him more space to win his, his one-on-ones and create more space for the interior guys to get on edges and things like that. You spoke about them not bringing pressure and things like that last year. That's the biggest testament you can have and the biggest faith and confidence you can show in your D-line is saying, look, we're going to drop um, seven back in coverage, and we trust and believe that you four will get pressure. But when that doesn't happen and the quarterback's just sitting there you got to adjust. holding the ball, he's able to just pick the, de uh, the defense apart, and that's what you've seen with the Browns last year, and there weren't no adjustments and things like that. But the wide nine – I believe that's just for those edge guys to have more space and to work, be able to take inside moves and work outside as well. And when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, that's the best. Are you a fan of it? Do you like playing in a wide nine? Well, I'm, I'm 300 pounds. That's, I don't go all the way out there. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm from did, three, two, and one. Does um, it make things easier on the inside if everybody is more spaced out? Uh, yeah, 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 no, because um, on the inside, you can't get out of your rush lanes and things like that. You might think you have more space than you actually do. Mm -hmm. You have a wide nine rushing, then your three technique is rushing wide. Now the gap's here. If you're playing a, a guy like Lamar Jackson that'll take off, um, you're done. Yeah, so that'll hurt The you. wide nine has pros and cons. You know, you have to have a, a good linebacker behind him as well because now they have a couple of gaps to cover as opposed to just one when you're in a 4-3 scheme. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know the Browns have that linebacker yeah. no. on their <laughs> roster right now. They don't have him. He is not here. Yeah. On this roster, what do, you, do you know anything? I, 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 you never played for Jim Schwartz, but no. being in the league, have you heard anything about his reputation? Maybe you have friends or guys that you know or played with that have played in that system. Where, what do you where hear was he? About? He was, he was with, in Philly. He was in Philly, and they were racking up sacks like they were, you know, nothing. I really don't, haven't heard anything about him, but I don't want to take anything away. Not saying he's a good coach and everything, but that personnel and that D line was—you could have put me to go coach them, and they would have. <laughs> I would have had a DC job after coaching him last year. So I really haven't heard much about him, but it worked in Philly. I know the Cleveland fan base is hoping that he can come out here and duplicate that success. I know nice. you have a, a franchise piece of Miles Garrett, and then you have Larry, so hopefully you can find – I believe, is Larry still on the team? No, I no, wish. So, so he's gone because I used to like him. He, he yeah. was a, a good counterpiece with Miles Garrett that played in the inside. Right. So you guys got to find that opposite guy, Miles Garrett, that can uh, duplicate the pressure. I think things will be okay. Yeah, Boogie. I know you played with LA for a year. Yeah, um, you got to kind of kind of learn up close and personal from Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> what What did you kind of take away from him that 
you didn't learn from playing with other DTs on the on the highest level like that? What makes him so special compared to the rest of the guys in that position in the league? Uh, man, he's a freak of nature, man. Just the things I've seen that guy do is, is just crazy. And I'm sure you guys have seen his workout videos. He's moving faster than DBs. He's doing ladder drills and back drills. So I remember our coach would say, there's Aaron Donald and there's everybody else. So don't try to try to copy him. So that's what I took from it. I would just try to pick his brains as much as possible. And he's an amazing guy. You know, he didn't have to. I was kind of like his rookie. He would come out early with me and work on things and show me certain things. And he didn't have to do that. He's all pro. He's a future first battle Hall of Famer, arguably the best defensive player to ever play the game. And he didn't have to do that, you know. And um, I always tell the story, like, he's just an amazing human, amazing human being and, and just a freak of nature. We'll probably never see. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And anything like him, and it's just been an honor to, to play with him. You know, we're still very close to this day. Yeah. We play Call of Duty almost every day. Nice. So, um, very nice. I send him clips. He, he gives me feedback on things I can work on and things that I need it's to get better on. a pretty good mentor to have, yeah, really. Uh, the best mentor to have. How, how, long, um, how much longer do you think he'll play? I would say uh, this year for sure, and then depending on how this year goes, if it's, if they're right there, if they can almost get there or get to the Super Bowl, then one more year. But if it's a bad year like last year, he has nothing else to prove. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? So I'll say two, two max. Yeah. One yeah. At, at the least, depending on how this season goes, because they're blowing up that roster down there. You know, that's an interesting statement that you made because I think it's certainly – I think he's in that conversation now, Jay. Greatest, perhaps the greatest defensive player ever. I mean, when you when you start running down the list of guys like LT and, and Ray Lewis and guys that were impact – think about all the kids that grew up in their backyards pretending to throw that last-second quarterback touchdown to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Like – it's very rare that you see one guy win a Super Bowl with multiple defensive plays on that last stand. It just and even on that last play, you just knew yeah. Donald's going to do something yeah. because that's what he does. That's what he's been doing this whole drive. That's so rare. Is where does he fit in the pantheon of all-time great defensive players? For for me, it's all it always starts with Lawrence Taylor. Like yeah. to me, he is the greatest defensive player ever. He quarterbacks were literally terrified of him and he changed the game because changed no one game. did what he did and it, he is the one who got left tackles paid frankly like right. he, he is the reason why the left tackle position became so important to the nfl so that it begins and ends there but he also played a completely different position than than where aaron donald plays and for aaron to have the impact that he has <laughs> yeah. from the inside from an inside yeah. push it's amazing that <laughs> inside i i would probably agree you He's know so crazy I, there's, I, I'll go back and forth about this all the time. Like, some days it's like, you say who the best defensive lineman ever. I, I, I say Lawrence Taylor some days, but then some days I go watch Reggie White and be like, I don't even know what Reggie White played. He played in at 315. That's a clean cheat. He was, he, and then I look at Aaron Donald. 
and there has never been a better athlete to ever play three technique there, Donald. Like, so he he has the speed, quickness, and agility of an elite lineman, but his stature inside, I mean, he was playing that at 285, 290, and you couldn't do nothing. And he was one of the dudes that, that was coming up, like, you know, Deacon Jones had the head slap, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Miles Garrett can bend really great. He has the bend. D- Dwight Freeney, um, he has the burst to get off. But Aaron Donald, he was in there creating old whole moves. Yeah. He was just cur- how you create moves. What, what, <laughs> what new moves? Yeah. He would be like, yeah, this is my new move. I'm gonna move his elbow up like yeah. this, and I'm gonna. I'm like, this dude is ridiculous. He's he, doing way like too much. Shit. He is. He has influenced like the next generation. You know, He's back the in the day. Yeah, back in the day, you wanted your D tackles. You know, oh six three plus three twenty. They wanted to pass the eye test. He has opened up a lot of doors for mm-hmm. a certain stature type of D lineman that say I can play and I can be explosive. I can be dominant and, and very productive. So he's like the geek. He's opened up doors for a certain stature of guys and it's just been amazing. And I'm biased. I know how tough it is um, inside in the sense of, you know, those edge guys are great. LT and Reggie Watt, they're amazing. Nothing to take away from those guys, but you guys seen more of them play than I did. You were around when TV was in black and white. I, <laughs> I wasn't. So with my with, with my eyes, Sneaky. all I've seen play is is Aaron Donald. To do that from the inside when it's easier for teams to double team you and scheme you up and to still be that productive and defeat double teams, sometimes triple teams, and to still make plays, um, I have to go with him as the greatest player that I've defensive player that I've ever seen. And yeah. to me, he's number one on my list. And it may be a little biased because sure. of the personal relationship, but to he be has clear, a, we he never has, saw leather helmets. He has the re- <laughs> <laughs> We're not that old. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I did forget one. Clearly, defense, greatest defensive player ever. Tyvis Powell. Uh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. That's right. I mean, no conversation can Tyvis with Tyvis is number one. Tyvis yeah. Powell, the Thunderbat, Thundercat linebacker himself. Everybody <laughs> else is fighting for number two. Is um, that McNuggets', McNuggets other nickname? No, <laughs> oh, I thought Tyrus Powell was his other nickname. I was no, going to say no. Nuggets. <laughs> oh, you'll meet Tyrus. Yeah. You'll meet Tyrus. Yeah, you'll meet Tyrus. Uh, yeah, it is 12, though, which means the lunch o'clock or the lunch hour like of the, the Ultimate o'clock. Cleveland Sports Show is sponsored by Colleg Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. We're going to get into a little Jets. My favorite time of day is lunch o'clock. Me too. <laughs> but we have two things I want to mention, and this is Guardians related, both. Uh, we're going to say RIP to Bulls' hopes and dreams because Brian Reynolds has agreed to an eight-year, $106 million extension with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Man, Meaning wow. his pipeline dream of trading the the farm for Brian Reynolds is officially Man, we dead him. on you know, site. You know, Guardi- the Guardians have like 12 home runs and they're, what, 23 games into the season or something? That's yeah. crazy. We'll talk Guardians in a sec. Also, Tanner Bibby was oh, scratching his start in Columbus. Bibby, I told you, I'm rebranding him as Bibby. I know. Has Let's... been scratched from his start in Columbus. And the Guardians just need a starter tomorrow, so I think he's going to make his major league debut it, tomorrow. It Mandy sounds Bell like it. Yeah. Just tweeted that out, so be on the lookout. We will talk Guardians in a sec. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 